0: hello and welcome here on the island we're pretty laid-back about the sound quality of the podcast as long as I filter out the sound of the seagulls I'm happy however today mark will be talking about focus right a brand name that will be familiar to podcasters and musicians who do studio recordings and take their audio quality seriously so while I feel guilty about echoes and sibilance I hope that you enjoy this episode 13 of the Desert Island Investor. This episode of the podcast is generously hosted by Progressive Equity Research. Visit their website at progressive-research.com.
1: So, good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon, Paul. And first of all, some news to share since the last episode, and that's that you've actually retired. So, uh, hallelujah, and welcome to the promised land. And uh, I've got to say, it's encouraging that uh, Desert Island Investor has taken off to such a degree that it now warrants your full attention.
0: Well, yes, uh, indeed. Thank you very much, indeed, for those uh, for those kind words. I am indeed now a man of leisure. So I can totally focus now on, on grilling you uh, about your investment choices. And today uh, we're discussing one of your smaller holdings, Focus Right, an audio products business uh, that markets hardware and software products and quite appropriately has the ticker symbol tune t-u-n-e
1: so to get cracking as usual the base numbers please yeah well as we speak paul it's got a market capitalization of 269 million a yield of a lowly yield of 1.3 percent a pe of 9.5 and that's based on the the current share price that i'm looking at now of four pounds 55.
0: okay when were they floated and when did you first buy
1: well, they were formed in 1985, and they listed in 2014, and I took a modest starter position in July 2019 at 5.34. And after four years, I've now made another modest addition. So this is another baby step. Uh, I have 33 stocks in my portfolio, and right was sitting in position 33. And this latest uh, small purchase has elevated it to the dizzy heights of number 27. So uh, it's quite tightly packed at the bottom of the portfolio. So you've
0: held for four years and you're back in the range where you started from. But in between, they touched £18?
1: Yeah, um, something happened over this period, which people may still remember, uh, COVID, COVID COVID-19. So, um, you know, most companies... It took a short-term uh, temporary hit but focus right experienced a temporary boost uh, suddenly we had you know lockdown and many people sought a way to entertain themselves and lots of focus right products are used by i suppose what you could call hobbyists uh, those people who want to produce music for their own enjoyment and also people doing what we do uh, podcasters and we've increasingly seen the development of the home studio so music recording is no longer the preserve of, of the professionals there are a lot of frustrated uh, amateurs out there uh just got to look at britain's got talent and uh you know on this on this joint point paul you know as well as playing your bamboo flute here on the island uh, i believe you yourself have also recently invested in a keyboard so uh have you yet ma- mastered the greek piano concerto
0: I, I haven't i haven't i i'm i'm actually struggling to remember chopsticks at the moment but uh It is on my retirement list of things to do. Um, So, anyway, having seen £18 pass you by, uh, do you feel that this was a lost opportunity to exit?
1: No, I'm looking for long-term stocks that I can ride at my leisure, not short-term trades where I'm I'm glued to a computer screen. Uh, So, just as some of my stocks created during COVID, uh, I did become despondent, and I've, I've witnessed this countless times in the past. You know they're not suddenly bad companies and likewise when stocks went on a moonshot like focus right you know i kept my euro 40 in check you know while people were piling in you know uh you know it, 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 um, it might be you know not impossible but it, you know it was unlikely to to last at those kind of levels so in both cases you know they, they were you know they're affected by short-term market conditions now don't get me wrong you know focus right had an, an excellent covid and this was a despite you know not you know they're not immune to the you know the component shortage that affected you know many other businesses and a couple that we you know we covered previously so you know the rise to 18 pounds sounds like hitting the motherload you know but given its lower you know percentage positioning of the portfolio no this hardly moved the dial or you know catapulted me into a new wealth bracket right
0: um, so what first attracted you to focus right then
1: well it seemed a very interesting business you know i, I recognized the rise in the the hobbyist and the home studio you know, and a lot of my peers, you know, like yourself, you know, of latterly, you know, perhaps, you know, children have, have left the nest or retired, you know, and uh, they've more time to, to return to or, or, or take up a musical instrument. So, uh, you know, it appeared a very profitable business and a good net cash, which is something I like. Um, it had £26.2 million worth of cash in April 2019. And, you know, the company had a, a turnover of circa £75 and And the, the, the chairman... Phil Duddridge. uh he incidentally owns, uh, you know, just under thirty three percent of the of the business, which focuses his mind on its uh, on the business's well being. Uh, he he was the, the founder, and uh, also he got a touring sound engineer for Led Zeppelin, which suggests that he you know he knows a little a thing or two about the about the industry. And also CEO Tim Carroll, uh, he was a professional uh, keyboard musician. So just going on about. Uh, Led Zet Paul, I believe you, you, you once went to see them, though, didn't you?
0: I did, yeah, in 1975 um, at, at Earl's Court.
1: Right, okay.
0: Uh, it was uh, very loud and very long. It was a long...
1: Yeah, so instead of a stairway to heaven, you're looking for a stair lift to heaven now, are you?
0: Oh, very funny. Are we going to get all of that, you know, for the rest of the series?
1: No, no, you're fine, Paul. You're fine.
0: All right. Okay, so um any particular reason why this uh, this stock has not uh, previously moved from first base in the portfolio then?
1: Well, I'm sufficiently aware to recognize that, you know, in the 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 field in which this business operates, it's really it's it's outside my circle of competence or, or my natural understanding, you know. N- you know, nevertheless, you know, I sometimes promote a stock from a watch list to a starter position and find out over time that I can command a you Know a sufficient comprehension. So, some of the talks stocks we've previously covered, you know, be that Tesco, MP Evans, or Smurfit Kappa, you know, I believe I've got a good understanding of what they actually do. And in short, you know, I could explain them to my 85 year old mum. Now, on Focus Rights website, on their about us, they refer to arch ribbon tweeters, uh, analog synthesizers, sound reinforcement, groove boxes and sonically transparent. Now, to me, this sounds like the Bantu language of Swahili. And, um, you know, also, you know, could I effectively identify any headwinds on the horizon, um, you know, say in the emergence of competition? And, you know, also they've got a lot of brands. They've got 11 brands. These are, I'll read them out. They're Focusrite, Focusrite Pro, Martin Audio, Optimal Audio, Adam Audio, Sequential, Linear Research. Uh, Oberheim, Novation, Amplify Music, and Sonox. So, you know, there's there's three deterrents there within, you know, that, that were that, you know, I, I, there's some more compelling candidates elsewhere for me to top up. You know, I've got companies on which I've got a greater command and, a, and, a, and offered better value. And, you know, Focusrite have also been prolific in their acquisitions, which means a, a lot for me to absorb and see how ex- successful they've been you know, and at the same time that the, the price has been stretched at, you know, eighteen pounds, you know, which with respect, I'm not gonna to be touching it at that level. So in many ways, I think this is more of a company that, you know, you could make more of an informed decision of, Paul, because you know, I think you're more techie and gadgety than I. And uh, I believe that you do have some experience as a consumer of focus right product.
0: I've never bought a, a focus right product, but I'm aware of what they do. Um, they have a, a range of digital audio interfaces, which are probably the most recognizable product. And these are used by musicians and podcasters to enable them to connect, say, two microphones um, or a, a microphone and a guitar um, to your laptop. So you can uh, you can record music or, or the podcast. So, I mean, there isn't a, a guitar jack on a laptop. So um, the Focusrite uh, product's provide uh, various inputs and they control the uh, the quality of the the sound from uh, the instruments in the microphone and then they just feed the the balanced uh, information to your laptop down a usb cable so we record our podcasts from two remote locations using an online host but if we were sitting across a table from each other then uh, yes i'd probably buy one of their their um, digital audio interfaces and uh, so we could plug both microphones into it They do have some competition. Uh, A company called PreSonos and uh, one called Behringer um, offer similar products, but they are generally a bit cheaper. And uh, a company called Universal Audio and Rode um, also offer products which are generally a bit more expensive. But Focusrite uh, do have an excellent reputation, and their Focusrite Scarlet 2i2 uh, Audio interface is apparently uh, one of the best-selling audio interfaces in the world.
1: All right, right. Well, one thing in its favour is that you know is that it caters to hobbyists, and they often have, you know have a lot of passion for this pastime. You know, if you go onto YouTube, there's new, n- numerous product reviews with people talking very animatedly and in an excited fashion, and certainly they're talking about more excited than they generally talk about stocks. So, you know, people often pay a premium for something that gives that fulfillment and joy, Paul. And I was just, you know, it's not like, um, you know, buying salt power or insurance. I'm just thinking, you know, what's your thoughts from a marketing perspective?
0: It's very similar to golf. Golfers will spend, well, not all of them, but those that can afford to, will spend thousands of pounds on golf equipment in order to try and improve their game. And uh, in the audio uh, industry, again, the quality is, is the thing that they're always chasing so yeah they've they've got in they've got they're, they're using the quality as the as the key selling point i think uh, with their with their range of products and uh, it, it certainly seems to be working
1: mm. it's a bit like you know i i know very little about music but if you go to a, there's a group and they're doing a sound check and they're giving it all the the one two one two and it seems to last forever and i can i can never hear any difference paul so the higher up that you go is it more of a is it are there is it lesser rewards do you think or what you know once you get to a basic level
0: when you get to the sound engineering on at concerts it's really far more complex than i ever imagined but i've seen a few youtube videos of people working the sound desks everybody wants it to be loud because it has impact but at the same time there's a very it's quite a skill getting it so that it's loud at the front of the auditorium and loud at the back of the auditorium and the sides Led Zeppelin concert was that loud, I had to leave the auditorium briefly. I think that within within about two seconds of them starting, there are at least three women who are leaving the, the concert carrying babes in arms. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, why would you bring a baby to a band that was had a reputation for being the loudest in the world, I think, at the time.
1: Now that's obviously something for us to think about when we go on tour and we do, the Desert Island investors is at the 0 two pole, you know, when we're playing to packed houses, you know. Yeah, so um, you know, Focusrite—they've won a number of awards, and, and primary amongst those are six Queen's Awards for Enterprise, which I suppose now are the, you know the, the King's Award, and these aren't thrown around like confetti. So uh, the Queen's Award for Enterprise and, and Innovation—they uh, won that in 2018, sorry, 2008, 2018, and 2021, and the uh, Queen's Award for Enterprise in International Trade. Uh, Is they received that in 2012, 2016, and 2022. So, again, from a marketing perspective, you know, how valuable are are awards, Paul? Um, uh, Does this genuinely provide, you know, potential traction for a business? You know, I I often hear people using the term award winning ahead of their product, but they don't mention what the award is. Um, You know, and I often see people attending industry dinners, winning, wearing dinner jackets and ball gowns and brandishing a trophy with lettering on it. In short, Paul, you know, does this translate into pounds, or is it just a good night out? You know, and I'm just thinking about this for when we start to receive, uh, you know, the first of many nominations and awards for for this podcast.
0: You're quite right. You do see a lot of trade magazines where there's the endless uh, photographs of people in in uh, dinner suits and standing there with their trophies, and I, I, I have no idea what what value that that has. I think if you start seeing you start seeing lo- logos that represent awards on products um how much of an impact that has on on the buying decision i've no idea i mean it'd be interesting if somebody had any statistics to support have it the fact that having an award logo on your product in, improved your sales mm-hmm. um, it, it could just be down to price unfortunately it depends on the product i mean I, I my microphone cost 80 quid and i think your headset came sellotape to the front of a magazine didn't it Sorry, so <laughs>
1: You're shattering the illusion now, Paul. Let's move on.
0: Acquisition is going to be transformational and disastrous, and as you say, Focus Right, have been busy in this area since you first bought the stock.
1: Yeah, they've made five acquisitions, which I'll, I'll run through. So uh, that's since I've, I've I invested initially. So in July 2019, they purchased Adam's Audio for £16.2 million. They're a German developer and global distributor of professional studio monitor loudspeakers. Uh, next in December 2019 was Martin Audio for £39.2 million. Uh, but that included, you know, four, they had £4 in cash, so that's a net £35.2 million. And like Focusrite, they're based in High Wycombe. So uh, that was an added convenience. And they design, manufacture, and distribute premium professional sound systems. And their core markets are concert touring, production, portable sound systems, and installations. After that was July 2021, and Sequential, uh, who are a Californian high-end analog synthesizer company. That was 18 million pounds. March 2022, Linear Research Holdings based in Letchworth, that was 12.6 million. Uh, The business had £1 million in cash, so that's a net 11.6 million. And then lastly, in December 2022, Sonox, who are based in Oxford, uh, this was for 9.1 million cash. And again, they had some cash itself, 2.1 million, making a net 7 million and it 's a designer of audio processing software plugins for professional audio engineers, so they 've had the checkbook out, and collectively this comes to eighty eight million and you know there 's been a lot of activity to follow and absorb, and you know this is a much bigger group now. I mentioned net cash that initially uh, partly attracted me now uh, have all these acquisitions resulted in a heavy debt burden well uh, Cash in April 2019 was 26.2 million, and at the most recent trading update on the 14th of September, net debt was uh, just sorry at the 31st of August was just 1.5 million. So over that period, there's been a cash swing of 27.7 million against those acquisitions that cost 88 million in total. So that shows that it's it's had some really good cash generation. It's paid this debt off very very quickly. Now those acquisitions, quite understandably, have had a substantial rise in the revenue. You know, uh, you know, um, within the same you know trading update. Now revenue for full year 23 is expected to be not less than 177 million. Uh, Full year for 2022 was 184 million, and EBITDA between uh, 38.2 million and 39 million, as against 41.7 million. So uh you know, the last full year before I bought on you know the thirty-first of August, two thousand and eighteen, uh, revenue was seventy-five point one million and EBITDA fifteen point five million. So you can see, in that five years, this business has more than doubled in size. Paul, you know, perhaps you know, you know, I, I would just say, you know, perhaps something that's helped depress the price uh, is the strong that that's having COVID. You know, uh, that were you know, I've got. You know, got to understand these are unsustainable you know given the change that we've got back to a, a normal normal lifestyle uh,
0: and as well as size uh, i take it the acquisitions have changed the profile of the business
1: yeah those different trans, uh, acquisitions have uh, presented focus right with uh, you know a broader offering and this now falls into two categories content creation you know let's think about studio work which is around 78% and uh, audio reproduction uh, which is based around uh, live events that's about 22% and, you know, and that encompasses, you know, from coffee shops to concert stadia. So as you can imagine, you know, live events, you know, hardly existed during COVID, you know, during the restrictions that we had, and um, you know, large groups of people coalescing, uh, but you know, that's come back a, a lot stronger now where, you know, uh, albeit, you know, it's a smaller side of the business and the, the business has a nice geographic split, you know, North America accounts for 41%, um, EMEA, uh, 38% and, uh, You know, rest of the world, 21%. And, uh, you know, if you look at content creation, you know, focus, right identify, five separate categories. That's, I don't know where we are, the aspiring creator. Oh, that's us. The passionate maker. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, we're both of those. Yeah, the serious producer, the music master, and the facility. So, uh, you know, right across the spectrum from amateur hobbyist to studio professional. And then on the audio reproduction, that caters for you know for festivals, concerts, nightclubs, houses of worship, and and hospitality venues. So you know, the business has now got a, a spread of risk. Now you believe that Focusrite has a niche
0: offering um, on LSE.
1: Yeah, people have. You know, varied and different, you know, different musical tastes. But you know, there's very few people who don't like enjoy music. You know, in one form or another, and I'd say it's part of the the human condition. And probably early man enjoyed making noises either by you know just beating a tree stump with sticks or, or singing in an equi cave. And, you know, every culture participates in music, you know, be that, you know, chanting during the Maori haka, you know, or Inuit throat singing. So, you know, it stirs our emotions in different ways and reminds us of times and places. And, you know, we've got a national anthem. We sing happy birthday, you know, hymns at weddings and at funerals, you know, and, you know, very often, you know, the last thing on the order of service is the curtains come together is your favourite song. So, you know, if you look at the market you're involved in, you know, and and its and its potential lifespan, and in this case, music. You know, I'm going to make a bold prediction in that it, you know it's always going to exist. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean it might change. You know, it, it, in how it's recorded or how we consume it, but I think you know music will be an ep- ever present. So, again, Paul, what do you think?
0: Uh, yes, right. Uh, so that, that is the only answer I can give to that, uh, Mark.
1: Really, because yes, it's it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, or also there's a, a death pa- pandemic goes around the world, Paul, and we all lose the ability to to listen or something like that. So within Focusrite, I believe within Focusrite, you know, there's numerous, you know, musicians, uh, that, this was in with the, within the for the workforce, DJs, audio engineers, and, and live sound specialists. And I'd imagine it, you know, that this is a benefit for the company in the, you know, operating in the field that it is, that it's, you know, an exciting and creative field, you know, and keeps your, your workforce interested and you know and engaged you know i i spent my career if you can call it that within the uh the paper and packaging industry and i could see people's eyes glazing over at dinner parties when i was speaking to them about what i actually did now on the whole i enjoyed you know what i did but uh you know whilst you know it, it may have you know fed my family you know it, it didn't feed my soul paul well now that we're unfettered paul by it, our work we can be true to ourselves with by doing this, at least if nothing else, can't we? We can say what we want.
0: Yes, we can. <laughs> I probably won't, but I mean, yes, you can. You can say what you want. Um, so, uh right. Now, from what you told me, uh, the restriction on building your position does not necessarily lie with the company, but with your own makeup. So what's, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah I mean I, I touched on it earlier on you know about my understanding of, of of this industry you know and my my understanding of this sector you know I think there's been there've been some quicker wins elsewhere for me you know um and there's b- businesses that are easier for me to comprehend and that, that they've required less resource and energy on my part um you know this might be because they're they're basically easier businesses to understand or just my my personal personal knowledge you know have i got an insight to a particular industry, you know, and I, I often hear pundits tipping a broad range of companies, you know, with great authority, and uh, you know, but a lot of these people have to, got, you know, they have to sell content, you know, they can't say when they're you're releasing a tip sheet. Well, I'm I'm, I'm nothing red hot this week, you know, they've got to come up with something. Well, i have i have no such powers, Paul, you know, I'm, um, you know, I I've probably got you know two or three good ideas a year, so um, you know, I, I'm happy to hold this stock, uh, you know, within my portfolio. You know, but, uh, you know, I would say generally my larger holdings are the ones I understand best, you know, and, and this is where I put my energies. You know, that's not to say that I understand number seven in the portfolio better than number eight, you know, but in general terms. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, given my lack of, I'll call it deep understanding of this market, you know, I'm, I'm happy to to, to, to to have a to make a small addition, you know, in what's a balanced portfolio but I would never envision it becoming a core holding for me, um, you know, and I, I remember once when we worked together and you know, I said to you, um, you know, that I've got a number of weaknesses, Paul, but, you know, one of my strengths is being aware of them. And uh, then after a pregnant pause, you responded, you said, have you ever wondered if, you know, being aware of all those weaknesses is actually your only strength? I don't know if you remember <laughs> that, that Paul, but I was, a little, I was a little bit wounded by that, you know, but, uh, I think I've got to understand that uh, you know. I, I, I understand the you know the the, the whole market, the, the appeal of it on a broad sense, but actually, you know, that deep kind of gut kind of understanding, I don't think I've got it really. You know, for this to be a core holding, you know, but I'm I'm, I'm protected, I think, by you know the breadth of the portfolio that I've got. Right.
0: Okay. Well, I don't remember saying that, but I, I haven't been writing the insults down. You know.
1: I have, Paul. I kept a diary.
0: Um, okay, so for some perspective, I did ask you if you could provide uh, some profile to the portfolio and, and how it is constructed for benefit for our listeners.
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, all portfolios are, are unique, aren't they? How are they constructed. And, you know, it's a moving target. But currently of those 33 stocks, you know, so the top 10 account for 50, 57% by value. And the top 15, it's just short of 75%. So it's very top heavy and has a long tail. So the fortunes really depend on how those top 15 stocks perform. It's top 15-ish, you know. And, uh, you know, that's really where I spend most of my time, you know, monitoring these. That's where I put my energies, you know, because if, if number 33 bombs, then, you know, it's a shrug of the shoulders. If it's number one, that's clearly more problematic.
0: Right. Well, thank you, Mark, for that analysis of focus. Right, And now time for question in a bottle. And this time the question is from David Raywood. And David asks, Mark, do share buybacks by the company, either for cancellation or to hold in treasury, influence you?
1: Right. Thanks for your question, David. Uh, Now, I've only met uh, David earlier on this year, but in that time he's become a very, very useful contact. Uh, He's uh, very often visiting AGMs and on the uh, railway network and uh, he feeds me back with some uh, very, very useful and interesting information. Now, it's certainly an interesting territory, buybacks, and a subject that is regularly covered. Uh, Am I influenced by buybacks? I would say no. Am I in favour of them? Broadly, yes. Now, each day across Uh, The RNS is uh, alongside my portfolio. I'll be finding that there's been notifications of of various buybacks. And I hold these stocks because collectively I consider that they are a good group of companies. So buybacks, in effect, enhance my position in the business without me personally having to buy extra stock. Uh, My holding in percentage terms of the overall business is that bit greater and I'd like to think in a cost-effective way. Now, one myth about buybacks is that they hand money back to the shareholders. In reality, it is the exiting shareholders that they're selling their holding that receive the cash. But what it does mean is that any future profits are divided between fewer shares in circulation. Uh, one of the criticisms of buybacks is whether it is the, the best use of capital. Uh, now, could the company not find uh, a way to invest this cash back into their business to generate further returns? Uh, would a, a bigger dividend be more suitable or should you know, debt be paid down first? Now on that, you know some companies have significant debt or borrow in order to pay dividends or prefer buybacks, uh, which strikes me as a, a classic uh, Robin Peter to pay Paul. One investor I knew, he absolutely despised buybacks and he wanted dividends. Uh, he liked the sensation of that more tangible, juicy dividend payment dropping into his account. Now, what did he do with that dividend? Well, very often he, he, re- he just reinvested it, often back within the same business that had paid the dividend, only then, you know, or after incurring tax on his dividends. So if you consider which he was a a higher rate taxpayer and uh, dividend taxes for him would be, you know, 33.75%, that's if he held it outside an ISA, which he did, uh, or most of it. Uh, Whereas, you know, if that money had been retained within the value of the share, uh, hopefully gaining in capital value, um, then he could have, you know, took that that gain at at a time of his choosing. And again, the rate of taxation, you know, is 20%. For uh, higher rate taxpayers, you know, so I would have thought that would be, a, you know, a, a better, more tax efficient way for him. Uh, now, for those holdings within a, an ISA, the consideration is is much different, uh, as there are no tax on dividends or capital gains. There are some suspicions as to why directors uh, like buybacks, and uh, by ca- conducting buybacks as opposed to distributing cash via dividends. This should, in effect, support that the share price, and this is often of consideration to directors, as their L tips are, you know, are triggered by attaining a certain share price, and also even without uh, increasing the profitability, profitability, you know, the mathematics presents a useful increase in earnings per share, which is, uh, you know, more pleasing on the eyes and, and suggests good stewardship. Now it's. Just a personal perspective, but I suspect that some businesses at the top of their economic cycle and are politically sensitive are, you know, and face accusations of, of, of profiteering and, and fear intervention, and and in, in that I'm, I'm thinking mostly about windfall taxes. Sometimes prefer a, aggressive buybacks as as opposed to distribute what might be seen as grotesque levels of dividend and with this i'm i'm specifically thinking of you know the oil and banking sectors you know you know, just take a look at, at the buybacks that, that are ongoing for for shell and barclays you know these are really large buyback programs and you know i think is it a case of you know a a, a big buyback is is more convert than a big dividend So uh, buyback programs are conducted over a period of time and on a regular basis, uh, and this offers the benefits of of pound-cost averaging. Um, Another alternative is a tender offer, uh, which is a one-off event with a set price at a premium, but uh, has the same result in retiring stock. I've no evidence, but do wonder to what extent the share price is supported whilst the buyback program is taking place. And how it might be effective once this prop of a regular buyer is withdrawn. When it comes to small caps, buybacks may be problematic as they are often highly illiquid, uh, you know, with a, sh- a small shoulder holder base and a, and a widespread, you know, and this could only uh, exacerbate the problem. So, making this relevant to my own portfolio, um, is it buybacks, dividends? or, you know, reinvesting in the business that's, you know, uh, is that the priority or is it an, an either or? Well, if we take um, MP Evans that we've, we've covered in a previous episode, uh, they're conducting a modest but sustained buyback program. Uh, they've, they've also increased the dividend and um, also uh, they've made several acquisitions. And just on a, an aside on that, I've, I've recently uh, added to my my holding at uh, £7.40. Uh, with a larger company, another one we put, you know, Tesco, on the 13th of April 2023, they committed to a buyback uh, of an additional £750 million worth of shares by April 2024. That means by April of, uh, of next year, they will have bought a cumulative uh, £1.5 billion since October 2021. So you know, if we look at the market cap uh, for you know a crude back of the uh, envelope calculation, you know that's about you know nine percent, just over nine percent of the equity over that period. So um, you know, I've not added to Tesco since uh, November twenty twenty when I paid two pounds and seven pence. But nevertheless, you know, I'm happy that my holding has, in fact, grown by you know, if we inverse that uh, that, uh, that that percentage, you know, circa ten percent. So, you know, it's, it's a very big subject and, uh, you know, I've hopefully just thrown a few things in to, to think about. But, you know, let us know your thoughts. Uh, buybacks, are they good or are they bad?
0: Well, that's all for this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Please remember the content is for information only and it is not financial advice. If you would like to pop a question into a bottle for Mark, just post your question in the comments and hopefully it'll reach the island in time for the next episode. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.